You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Would you open your Bibles, please, to Psalm 36. Psalm 36 contrasts the way of the wicked with the way of the Lord. And we'll see in our text this morning from Proverbs that that same contrast is painted for us. For the director of music of David, the servant of the Lord, an oracle is within my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. The words of his mouth are wicked and deceitful. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. Even on his bed, he plots evil. He commits himself to a sinful course and does not reject what is wrong. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the great deep. O Lord, you preserve both man and beast. How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Continue your love to those who know you, your righteousness to the upright in heart. May the foot of the proud not come against me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. See how the evildoers lie fallen, thrown down, not able to rise. We turn to the New Testament for our second reading from 1 Corinthians 10. Here we read again of a contrast, a lack of fellowship between the table of demons and the table of the Lord. It's a warning not to participate in the ways of evil, but to participate in the way of righteousness by participating in the bread of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10 at verse 14. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people, judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the body of Christ? Is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Thus far, a reading from 1 Corinthians. And now we'll turn back to the Old Testament to Proverbs chapter 4 for our text. Proverbs chapter 4 at verse 10. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. 
Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot sleep till they do evil. They are robbed of slumber till they make someone fall. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter to the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the imagery of life, all of life in this world is as a path, as something that you walk in, is pervasive throughout the Bible. In fact, the word for walking is often translated simply as living. Walking is living. Life is a path. Psalm 1, for example, speaks about the way, the path of the righteous and the way, the path of the unrighteous. And we saw a similar thing in Psalm 36. And of course, it's all over the book of Proverbs. And it's this contrast that Solomon is teaching his son about in Proverbs 4. Just a quick word about that word, son. This, of course, like so many things in the Bible, is an inclusive word. It's not meant to, it's not meant to exclude daughters. Just like the word man in the Bible isn't meant to exclude a woman. No, the way that they used language, son, man, those are inclusive terms. And so you can all feel included in this instruction as Solomon teaches his son. And as he teaches him, he is highlighting the difference between these two paths. He's urging him to follow the path that's good and not to follow the path that only ends in harm. So of what character is this first path, the path of wisdom, the way of wisdom? While this path is straight, verse 11, I guide you and lead you along straight paths. On this path, there's no danger of stumbling. When you walk, verse 12, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. There is a special quality to this path you see there that, that actually helps the person who's walking on it. This path is an aid to the person who travels it. In fact, this path even allows you to run without fear of harm. And so, since this is a metaphor for life, what Solomon is really talking about here is the life of the righteous. The life of the righteous. Notice that he doesn't say that the righteous will have an easy life. He doesn't say that the righteous always find themselves in pleasant circumstances. No, what Solomon is saying is that no matter what the circumstances, wisdom gives you a sure footing. Gives you a sure footing. Wisdom marks out the path that you are to walk in whatever circumstances of life you're facing. The righteous, along with the unrighteous, perished ten years ago in the World Trade Center on 9-11. The righteousness didn't necessarily spare them. 
when that tragedy occurred. Or you can think of the situation of so many people in war. You can think of the Second World War. People who were occupied by the Nazi occupation. Their personal righteousness wasn't going to change their situation. But, no matter what the circumstances, the way of righteousness shows you the way to walk. And so the people living under Nazi occupation could know that they were not to align themselves with their captors, with that evil regime, but that they should go out and protect the vulnerable vulnerable people, the Jews, those who were were being persecuted, help their countrymates as well as they could. The path of the righteous on 9-11 meant that they would aid the service people who were helping in the tragedy, that they would not exploit that to their own benefit. Now, it's not only always easy, is it, to know which way to walk. How are the righteous able to see their way clearly? Well, it is only by the wisdom that comes from the Lord. And wisdom does come from God, and God grants wisdom to His people, and so they can know the way to walk. It takes heavenly help to discern the path on which to walk in this life. And that is why Solomon in Proverbs 2, verse 6, informs his son that the fear of the, that the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. We must attend ourselves to the Lord if we are to be taught. Wisdom. Now, wisdom is not the only path that you can walk in life. There is another path, Solomon says, that you can take, and that's the way of wickedness. And just like the way of the righteous is not always clear, so the way of the wicked at the outset is not always obviously wicked. Sometimes it seems like a pleasant path to take. Have you ever noticed that it's often the most seedy and distasteful places that will advertise themselves the best, that will make themselves look the most beautiful. They have the brightest lighting. They have the most glamorous facade. Isn't Las Vegas famous for its neon lights? Don't nightclubs advertise themselves with swirling lights in the air? to attract our attention, to draw us in? Isn't the foyer of a casino lavishly decorated so that we're impressed by it? It's only when viewed through the lens of wisdom that the way of the wicked is seen to be the dangerous place that it is. And that's what Solomon contends here. That's what he's passing on to his son. He's passing on wisdom to his son that his wisdom would be able to see and recognize the path of wickedness and not set foot in that way, tempting though it may be. He says that path is to be avoided at all costs. Don't set foot on that path. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. Go on your way. The path is crowded with bad company who only increase its danger. Those who walk on that path, in fact, 
lose the ability to discern right from wrong. Verse 19, the way of the wicked is deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Again, this is not always the way that things things seem. What Solomon is doing here is applying the lens of wisdom to the world. It's the lens of wisdom which exposes this path as treacherous. Suppose that you were living under the Nazi occupation. And suppose that you were concerned about the safety of yourself and your family. Wouldn't aligning yourself with the Nazis be the best thing to do? You might have a wife and children. You might have a husband. You might have a loved one to care for. Shouldn't you avoid sticking out your neck and so preserve the lives of your loved ones? Or think about on 9-11. What would stop you from scoring a quick pile of grub while all the police are occupied? At ground zero. It's only when you have the transcendent standards that God reveals in His Word that you can see clearly the path of righteousness. Now, of course, many who did not believe in the Lord came to the aid of Jews and others. Many who did not believe in the Lord came to the aid of those who perished on 9-11. But this path is much longer than that. This path is a path of life. A path of eternal life. There's two paths. One that ends in destruction. And one that ends in eternal life. And what Solomon is doing by exposing the extremes of these paths is he wants to influence his son's appetite. His moral appetite. He wants him to reject outright a certain kind of food and embrace another one. The food that the wicked eat is wickedness and violence. Now it seems like obviously no one would want to eat this food. It must taste despicable. But the food of the wicked is much like the forbidden fruit of the Garden of Eden. Although in the long run it brings disaster and ruin, At the moment, it seems so tasty and good. Doesn't an image on the computer that attracts your lust look at a certain moment so appealing? Doesn't the financial gain that you can gain by one possible oversight, by a small lie, doesn't it seem so attractive at a moment? Doesn't the gain in popularity that you can have at school through just one small act of disobedience seem like a small price to pay? Doesn't the pain caused to another by one tidbit of gossip seem inconsequential? Not measure up to the pleasure that you experience in sharing that information. But when Solomon applies wisdom to this path, 
These are all exposed for the ruinous ways that they are. In fact, to eat them now, just like the consumption of too much fast food, is to grow a desire and even an addiction to them later. It's a small step now, but before you know it, you're well on your way on that path. The food of the righteous is not like the food of the wicked. What's the food that the righteous feed on? It's whole food. It's pure drink. The righteous feed on Christ. It takes wisdom for this to seem appealing. Isn't the way of our Lord Jesus Christ the way of suffering, the way of humiliation? But feeding on Christ equips you with faith for every situation. And feeding on Christ sets you on the path of the righteous. It aligns you with God's will. God's will is revealed in His Word. God's will is we heard this morning. It gives you profound humility as more and more you depend on Him. As you realize you can't walk this path in your own strength. You need His strength to guide you. And it gives you a profound sense of worth. As you grow in understanding His love and affection, the love of Christ that is for those who walk in His path. And so, let the Lord teach us wisdom so that we will follow in the path of righteousness. It's the best path. It's the long path. It's the path that verse 18 talks about is like the first gleam of dawn. Just a small beginning now. Not immediately glamorous or glorious or attractive like the first gleam of dawn. But as with the inevitable onset of day, it's one that shines ever brighter until it shines in fullness on the day of Christ Jesus. Walk in the way of wisdom. Avoid the path of wickedness. Don't eat the bread of wickedness or drink the wine of violence. Feed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.